Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Leeds United, Saturday, February the 14th, 2021. Kickoff 4.30pm. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Match action. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Player feature, Martin Odegaard. Convertible currency, 14 times. My story, community, forward Arsenal, match action, Aston Villa versus Arsenal, Arsenal Academy, Arsenal Women, visitors, Leeds United, match action, Wolves versus Arsenal, my Arsenal, and teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. Despite the result, I thought it was a strong performance against Villa, but if you are not ruthless enough, you don't win games. We've had to find that out the hard way in the last two games, because against Wolves as well, in the first half we were outstanding and should have been clear by half-time. Maybe that was the best half we had played since I was here. For long periods we looked very close to what we want to be as a team. But you have to transmit that into results. When you have those moments in the game, you have to go 3 or 4 nil up and the game's over. We got punished that day by the penalty and red card late in the first half, and against Villa we got punished for a mistake in the first two minutes. Apart from that, we dominated the game last weekend. We dominated in every department, and we should have won. But in the Premier League, when you give a goal to the opponent, and we gave them another three opportunities, then it kills you. We can take positives from the rest, though. The way the team played, the energy and the quality that they showed, the number of chances and situations we created, how quickly we regained the ball, how we controlled long balls, second balls and how aggressive we were in our duels. All of that was really good. But in the end, it wasn't enough to win the game. If we aren't being ruthless, then at the very least you can't afford to give anything to the opponent. That's something we have to do better because it's cost us two games in a week. We should have won both of them, yet we ended up with no points. Those two results against Wolves and Villa are obviously a big blow, especially when you consider our performances. We just gave the opponents the games. Now we need to come back. We've done it this season and we have to do it again. 
We have had a week to prepare for this game against Leeds, and all of our focus has been on today's match. We have been working on maintaining all the right things we are doing and to keep evolving the team the way we want it to grow. You could see from the way we played against Villa that we aren't lacking anything physically at the moment. It's more about putting things right at the right moment during the games, and we have been working on that in our training sessions. The way the players were chasing, the way they kept going, against both Wolves and Villa, that's all encouraging. It's more down to some things that, as a team, we have to be better at. We showed a good reaction to going behind, and we need to keep working on creating chances, playing forward and dominating the ball. But we have to put an end to mistakes, and in training there are certain things you can do, but against pace and against an opposition, it's something different. We have to do that though, that's where we have to improve. We need to stop certain things that are costing us games. Those teams at the top don't make those mistakes. The teams at the top cannot play four or five times in the first 22 games of the season with 10 men. It doesn't happen. There's not a team in the world that can sustain that. If you concede a goal early or make an error, the team has to react. The team reacted and we had more than enough to still come back and win the game. If you don't do one thing, you have to do the other. If you are not ruthless enough in the opponent's box, then of course you are going to lose the game. The execution in the penalty area needs to improve. Matt Ryan came in for his debut and I think he did really well. He looked confident, he was communicating all the time from his goal mouth. He made a couple of good saves as well when we needed him because they hit the target much more than we did when we had the chances. I think overall he did well and that's what we want from him. We are at a point of the season when things can still change quickly. We face a lot of games in the next few weeks and it's just down to us to make the most of it. Take our opportunities, get back on a good run. Thanks for all your continued support. The positivity and love we feel from the fans, even when we can't be together, means a lot. But I also want to take this opportunity to remind people of the harm that abusive messages can cause. I'm all for people having their opinions, but not just to be insulting people, abusing people, and using a screen on somebody's phone to tell them whatever you want, to a person you don't even know. That, for me, has to be eradicated, because it's causing a lot of damage. Nobody in football will stand for it. We all have a part to play in that. The fans, the media, the clubs, everybody. It's up to all of us to be really strong on it and try to drive it out and put a stop to it. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I want to begin these notes by saying a huge thank you for all the support I've received over the past few weeks. Myself and my family have had some difficult times recently, but the love I have felt from you all, my Arsenal family, has meant so, so much to me. I wanted to, and I needed to be with my mother while she had some health issues, which meant I had to miss some games due to the regulations when I got home as well. I never like to miss games, but sometimes life is like this. And I also want to say a huge thank you to the doctors and nurses who have been helping my mother get through it. I received so many messages from supporters and of course I had huge support and love for me in the dressing room from the boys. It has meant a lot and I'm just happy that I'm finally back playing. Now I want to repay all the love by helping my team on the pitch. I'm working really hard in training so I can get back scoring and turn our results around again. I think that we were really unlucky in our last couple of games. The first half against Wolves we were flying and it was great to watch. We could have been two or three goals up. 
the forwards are very dangerous. Nico, Bacchio, all doing well from their wide positions. And we finally got the goal that we deserved. But games can change very quickly. And that's what happened. We needed that second goal. And I suppose we were punished for not getting that. But the thought of the penalty and the red card against us was very harsh. Even at half-time in the dressing room, we were confident. We knew we were playing well. And that even with 10 men, we could still get the win. The early goal in the second half made things difficult, though. And then another red card finishes you. But really, you can be very proud of that first half. That's what we need to produce again. Against Aston Villa this week, the game was really difficult after the early goal. I know how important the first goal of any game is, even more against a well-organised side like Villa. We kept fighting though and tried everything to get the equaliser. It's so frustrating because we were looking much more solid as a team lately. But things are going against us again. We have to turn it around today at home against Leeds United. The game against them earlier this season was a tricky game for us. I remember Leeds always play without fear, and they did that in the away game in November. It was really difficult to get a lot of other teams that I played for to come up from the championship. It's good to see teams like this in the Premier League because they play football, and they play good football. They like to press, they like to attack, they are coached well. And I think Marcelo Biso is a very good coach. And he has shown that whatever he's been at whatever club, he's at you. I hear people talking about him and saying what a great coach he is. And to be honest, you can see it when you play against them. When I was at Dortmund, we played this similar style of pressing football. And we had fun using that system and we got good results. The thing is, when you play a team like Leeds, you have to be prepared. If they take you by surprise with their aggression and their energy, then you will be in trouble. We need to know what we face today and we will be reminding our new players who maybe haven't seen that of much, what level we need to be at. I've heard about the lead sides from the past that played in the Champions League. In fact, I think my brother went there for a trial at around the time and told me about them. So I know it's a club with a lot of history too. But it's all about us today. We know we can do it and we know what's needed today to get the three points. The table is so close. If we can get on another good run, we can move quickly up. Thanks again for your support. Voice of Arsenal. Welcome to the Arsenal. Two more players have made their Arsenal debut since our last programme. On loan midfielder Martin Odegaard came on as a second-half sub in our last home game the goalless draw with Manchester United. The 22-year-old is only the second Norwegian to ever play for our first team, following Paul Lydersson, who made 16 appearances for the club between 1992 and 1993. Then last weekend, another on-loan player, Matt Ryan, came in for the suspended bound Leno to make his debut for the club he supported as a boy, against Aston Villa. The goalkeeper became the 880th player to ever represent the Gunners' first team, and only the second Australian. The first, John Cosima, predated the Premier League era. The forward made just four appearances for us in 1978, having signed from Adelaide City. Odegaard and Ryan are the 10th and 11th players respectively to be handed their debut by Mikel Arteta, and they take the total number of debuts since the start of the century to... 194. 
Benfica in Rome Earlier this week, UEFA confirmed that the first leg of our Europa League last 32 tie against Benfica will be played as follows. Benfica vs Arsenal Thursday, February 18th, 2021 Kick-off, 8pm UK time To be played at Stadio Olimpico, Rome Both matches in the tie are being held at neutral venues due to the current COVID-19 travel regulations. Confirmed details of the second home leg had yet to be confirmed when the match day programme went to print. It's worth noting that in the event of a draw over two legs in this tie, away goals will still count double. There will be a programme. Irrespective of where the home fixture is played for the Europa League last 32 tie, we will be producing a match day programme for the match, as we have done for all home games since the 1880s. With the vast majority of programmes being posted out before games, in time for match day, the process for this game will remain exactly the same. If we are able to progress to later rounds in the competition, those games will also feature a programme regardless of which country stroke continent they are played on. PL2 Go With The Flow Falarin Balogun has been nominated for January's Premier League 2 Player of the Month award. The 19-year-old started the month by scoring a hat-trick in our 5-0 win over Brighton before captaining our under-23s to a 1-1 draw with Tottenham in the North London derby. The other contenders are Louis Barry, Aston Villa, Ethan Bristow, Reading, Keon Atete, Tottenham Hotspur, Rhys Hughes, Everton, Joe Huggill, Manchester United, and Jacob Wakeling, Leicester City. The shortlist was chosen by the Premier League's Football Development Panel after PL2 club coaches picked out the best performances by an opposing player in each of their league matches in the month. The panel will also select the winner. Trio selected for England. England senior women's team coach Hega Reza named her first England squad earlier this week and it featured three Arsenal players. Midfielder Jordan Nobbs and defenders Leah Williamson and Lottie Wubin-Moy were selected in the 20-woman squad for the match against Northern Ireland which will be played at St George's Park on Tuesday, February the 23rd. The match will be England's first since the She Believes Cup in the United States last year, and the group will meet up this Thursday, February the 18th. Arsenal's three representatives are at different stages of their three Lions careers. Jordan has been a regular in the team since making her debut against Italy in 2013, when she scored, and the 28-year-old now has 60 caps to her name. Lair has developed into a regular England performer at senior level in the last couple of years, making her debut against Russia in 2019. The 23-year-old now has 15 caps. Former captain of England under-17s and regular England under-21 performer Lottie is the youngest of the trio at 22 and has yet to make her senior debut for England. However, her performances for Arsenal on her return from America saw her called up for the last squad get-together in September, and she will be hoping to make the jump to become a full international in the near future. Lottie also qualifies to play for the Netherlands through her Dutch father. Best of luck, we're proud of you. Programme ITK Arsenal are unbeaten in our last 27 home league games against promoted sides. One twenty-three drawn 4, since losing against both West Bromwich Albion and Newcastle in the 2010-11 campaign. 
Since their goalless draw with Arsenal in November, none of Leeds' last 13 Premier League games have ended level. Won seven, lost six. The Whites are also looking to secure three consecutive Premier League away wins for the first time since August 2002. Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa has won just 18% of his Premier League games against non-English managers, two out of 11, compared to 73% of his Premier League games against English managers, eight out of 11. Of all managers to have taken charge of 10-plus games against each, Bielsa has the biggest difference in win rates between the two. Bukeo Saka has created more chances, 26, and won more fouls, 42, than any other Arsenal player in the Premier League this season, while only Alexandre Lacazette has scored 8 and been involved in 10 more goals for the Gunners than the teenager, 5 goals, 2 assists. Lead striker Patrick Bamford has been involved in 5 goals in his last 3 Premier League games, 2 goals, 3 assists. 8 of his 12 Premier League goals this season have been away from home, 67% with only Jamie Vardy netting a higher ratio on the road. 82%. Min, 10 goals. Arsenal. League champions. 1930-31. stroke 1932-33. stroke 1933-34. stroke 1934-35. stroke 1937-38. stroke 1947-48. stroke 1952-53. stroke 1970 stroke 71, 1988 stroke 89, 1990 stroke 91, 1997 stroke 98, 2001 stroke 02, 2003 stroke 04. FA Cup winners 1930, 1936, 1950, 1971, 1979, 1993, 1998. 2002, 2003, 2005, 2014, 2015, 2017, 2020. League Cup winners, 1986 stroke 87, 1992 stroke 93. Charity stroke Community Shield winners, 1930, 1931, 1933, 1934, 1938. 1948, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998-1999, 1998
Life President, Ken Fryer, OBE. Chief Executive Officer, Vinay Venkatesham. Technical Director, Edu. Manager, Mikel Arteta. Ref Watch. Tonight's referee is Stuart Atwell from Warwickshire. Stuart has been a Premier League referee since 2008-9. His first Arsenal match in charge was a top-flight game against Bolton on September 11, 2010, in which the Gunners won 4-1. Koscielny, Chamcha, Song, Vela, when he sent off Gary Cahill. He's officiated just one Gunners game this season, the 4-1 defeat at home to Manchester City in the EFL Cup just before Christmas when he made three bookings. In all, Stuart has refereed 13 Premier League games this season, booking 57 players and showing just one red card, Brighton's Lewis Dunk against Crystal Palace. Notice board. Slunger. Happy 18th birthday, Johnny Lamber. Love Da, Mum, Aber and Seamus. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Totalizer, £313. Arsenal remembers. Raymond Ivan Jessup. March 3rd, 1928 to January the 11th, 2021. A much-loved husband, father, granddad and great-granddad. My beloved Arsenal, there's only one Dennis Compton. Joan and George Cobold. Joan passed away on January 6th, 2021 and was followed by her husband, George, five days later on January the 11th, 2021. They had been married for 60 years. They will both be greatly missed. Our lives will never be the same after this unexpected and sudden loss. Barrington Singh, Dad, even though I never got to see a game with you in person, I hope you will watch over my shoulder in the future. Rest in peace, Dad. The perfect gunner. Love, David. Simon Eden, December 12, 1964 to December 22, 2020. A proud father of two sons, Charlie and Harry, both in the British Army grandfather and, of course, a massive lifetime Arsenal fan, will be forever missed by family and friends. Keith Tufts, a former steward who passed away on January 14th, 2021, after contracting coronavirus. Keith worked in the West Executive Suite at Highbury for 11 years. We send our sincere condolences to Keith's family and friends. Premier League Match Day 21, 5.30pm, Saturday, January the 30th at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 0, Manchester United 0. First half. In truth, neither side imposed themselves to any great degree for much of the half, although Alexandra Lacazette tested David De Gea from outside the area, while Bernd Leno had to be alert to palm away a shot from Fred. But as we neared the break, Thomas Partey fired wide after a powerful surge forward, before Nicolas Pepe curled one just wide after a pacey counter-attack started by Emile Smith-Rowe. The visitors had their best spell of the opening period just before the interval, with Aaron Wan-Bissaka heading wide before Bruno Fernandes broke into the box and curled a shot inches beyond the far post. Second half The second half started with a big chance for us as the ball broke to Willian, on for Gabriel Martinelli, but he scuffed his shot. Seconds later, the Brazilian teed up Pepe in the area, but Harry Maguire blocked the Ivorian's goal-bound effort as we dominated the early exchanges. At the other end, Edinson Cavani missed a golden chance for the visitors from close range. 
The closest we came was when Lacazette hit the bar with a free kick from the edge of the box, and seconds later, Emil Smith-Rowe stung the hands of De Gea. Martin Odegaard came on for his debut, but the biggest chance remaining in the game came for the visitors a minute from the end when Cavani put it wide from close range. Player feature, Martin. When Martin Odegaard joined the club in January, it marked the culmination of a long-held admiration of the Norwegian schemer. Albeit this move is a loan deal until the end of the season, the transfer nevertheless is part of a long-standing interest in the talented midfielder that dates back to when he was just 15 and already taking European football by storm. Back then, he eventually decided to join Real Madrid in a high-profile move from his hometown club of Strongsplet. The following year, he became Real's youngest ever debutant at 16 years and 156 days and was soon gaining more first-team experience out on loan, first in the Netherlands, where he ex- excelled in the Hidevin in 17-18 season. Then at Vatice the following season, after which he was named in the Edivris Team of the Year. He was back in Spain last term, starting for Real Sociedad, when he scored seven times in 36 appearance and won La Liga Player of the Month award in September. But the Premier League is the 22-year-old's next challenge, and having made his debut in our last game at the Emirates in a goalish draw with Manchester United, our new number 11 is itching to show what he can do. We spoke to him shortly after his arrival late last month. Jean Flard played in the Premier League in the 1990s, then managed Martin at international level. This is what he has to say about our new recruit. I know him very well. I was the manager of a Norwegian national team when we took him as a 15-year-old. He was sitting in my living room with me and his father, and he'd made his final choice about which club to sign for when he left Norway. That's when Mir Real Madrid became his final choice. But he had four clubs on the list where he could go at that time, and Arsenal was definitely one of the clubs on that list. So he's at the club that he wanted to play for now. He's a good football player. He knows how to adjust himself on the pitch, and he can fit into the Arteta way of playing. I think it's a good move for him. He's still a young player. He's at a good stay in Holland and a good stay at Real Sociedad. And it's all up to Martin now, wherever he will end up. Born Dramen, Norway, December the 17th, 1998. Norwegian. Previous clubs. Real Madrid, Haravian on loan, Vitiz on loan, Real Sociedad on loan. Joined Arsenal from Real Madrid on loan on January the 27th, 21. Arsenal debut, Manchester United at home, January the 30th, 21. Premier League, Drew, 0-0. Squad number, 11. International honours, 25 caps for Norway and one goal. Martin, welcome to Arsenal. How quickly did the move come about? Thank you very much. It feels amazing to be here. These were really hectic days and on my representations had a lot of conversations with the club and the manager as well. I'm just so excited when I had the chance to come here. I felt like it was a really good chance to take, so I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us about your conversation with Mikel Arteta and Edu 
What do they want from you? They want me to come here and try and help the team, try and improve and to help improving the team as a whole, the whole club, and of course myself as well. I think it's a good chance for me to improve and hopefully I can get the team to improve and to reach our goals here. Is it true you had a phone conversation with Mikel before the move? What did he say to you? Yeah, I spoke to him before coming here, of course. That was very important for me. And he seems like a top manager. And I like his ideas, the way he sees football, and also that the way he is. He gave me a great feeling, and it was important for me to come here. It was crucial. How important is it for you to be convinced by the project of your plans that the manager specifically has for you? Of course it's important. I think every time you go to a new place, you want to make sure that it feels good and that there is a plan. But I think everything is just here. It just seems good. I like the club. I've always liked the way that this club wants to play. Everything about the club and now the manager wants to play, I think, really suits me well. I think it's a good match. You've also got a Real Madrid teammate here, of course, Danny Sabalos. Did you have any chance to speak to Danny before the move? Yeah, he texted me beforehand and we had a really good things to say about the club, the manager, the players and everything. It's really important for me and I was happy for me to come here. So that was a good thing for me. I know someone here that I can hear from inside the club as well. It is good. How much playing in the Premier League interests you? Is that something that you've been fascinated for for a while now? Yeah, in Norway, I think the Premier League is really big. Since I was a little kid, we always wanted to watch the games, me and my friends. I think it's the biggest league, especially in Norway. So for me, it's always been a dream to play in the Premier League. And as I've said, I've always liked the way Arsenal played and everything about the club. So yes, it's a dream come true in many ways. You mentioned that you've always liked the way Arsenal played. Are there any Arsenal players in particular that really stood out for you or you've admired down the years? Yeah, there's a lot. I think Cesc Fabregas was the one for me. He's one of my idols when I grew up, so especially him. What was it about the way Cesc played that you really liked? I think everything. The way he controls the ball, the way he dictated the game, his ability to give assists and also to score goals. Everything about his game, I tried to learn as much as I can when I was growing up, watching him as a top player. Can you tell us about a time you came to the club briefly as a 15-year-old? Yeah, I was here. I visited the club and I trained a little bit and I had a chat with the club and it was really good. I had a really good feeling when I came here. I think a lot about it in the end. It wasn't really my decision at the time, but I had a really good time and I remember it well. When I was here the first time, I had a good feeling that every time I hear about the club, I just get that good feeling. Now I'm here, I think it's maybe meant to be. And finally, can you tell us what your aims are between now and the end of the Premier League season? Just to try and help the team as much as possible. I think that's the most important thing to do, really, to get into the team. Try and help to improve overall, get a squad, a strong squad. Um, I want to help us to achieve good results. It's so sad that there are no fans in the stadium, but I just want to let all the Arsenal fans know that I will be giving everything for this club during my time here. Rapid fire. First football in memory. Joining my dad at his training ground and games when he grew up. He was a footballer and I always went to his games. That's my first memory from football. Hero. I don't really think I have a hero, but when I grew up, obviously my dad being a footballer, me wanting to be a footballer, He was one of my heroes, I would say. I know he'd be happy, so I will say him.
Best friend in football? Oh, that's a difficult one. I'd say it's got to be two. Mats Molodelli and Sander Burge from the national team. Sander plays for Sheffield United as well. Best game you've played? Semi-final cup with Real Sociedad last year on the Copa del Rey. Languages. I speak Norwegian, English and Spanish. Best goal I've scored? I think it was a free kick with a national team under 25 against Kosovo. Best midfielder in the world? Kevin De Bruyne. If I could score any famous goal, it might be that Messi goal against Gelati when we ran over the pitch and he scored. Away from football, I like to listen to music, I read, I watch films, I like to relax, be with my family and my friends. What I want from this loan spell. What I want to achieve from my loan spell is to try and help the team as much as possible, to reach our goals this season and to improve a lot. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions, past and present. Emmanuel Pettit, flourishing further forward. Even official news outlets got the wrong end of the stick. When Arsenal shelled out £2 million for Monaco's Emmanuel Pettit in June 1997, some sources reported that the Gunners had signed a new central defender as cover for Steve Bould and skipper Tony Adams. In fact, Pettit had spent much of the 96-97 campaign playing the left-back slot in France, and after joining Barcelona in the summer of 2000, he would return to defensive duties. But, after a meeting with former Monaco manager Arsene Wenger, he was left in no doubt that when he signed for Arsenal, he would be playing on the left of central midfield, alongside the Gunners' new sensation, Patrick Vieira. Wenger recalled, I'd coached Manu for a number of seasons, and I knew that he had all the attributes needed to succeed in that role. He was a big strong boy, which was necessary to survive in the centre of the pitch in that era. He could time his tackles really well, and his passing was always of a high quality. I felt that he could adapt quickly to the demands of the Premier League. Pettit had endured a turbulent few years, and the passing of his brother, Olivier, who died as a result of a blood clot caused by heading a football, almost prompted him to quit the sport. But fortunately, Pettit's family convinced him to honour the memory of his brother by forging his own successful career. Pettit did so, captaining Monaco to the French league title and, along with Dutch winger Mark Overmars, joining the European invasion at Highbury in the summer of 1997. It would nonetheless be an exaggeration to suggest that Pettit was an instant hit in an Arsenal shirt. Pettit admitted... There were some who said that I was being played out of position during those early months, that I was a little sluggish in midfield, and that I'd function better at centre-back. When the Gunners hit a mid-winter slump, Pettit's best moments often came when he dropped back to assist Arsenal's legendary back four and added some muscle and height if Wenger's men came under pressure during matches. Critics also suggested that her crucial moments the ponytail Pettit lost concentration and was too much of an individual to bring stability to the Arsenal unit. But like Overmars and Vieira, Pettit hit peak form as spring beckoned. Operating from his deep-lying, left-sided position, 
the Frenchman found his range. Mano started spraying passes around, which were perfect, explained Patrick Vieira. Short passes, long passes, you name it, he found his target. Pettit also possessed an incredible engine which enabled him to scuffle for the ball in the centre of the park, emerge with it, and find one of the Arsenal forwards. With Gunners' defenders given licence to roam by Wenger, Pettit was more than happy to sweep up at the back, and when appropriate, tackle abrasively. By season's end, Vieira and Pettit were the most dynamic central midfield duo in the country. Pettit later explained, We got to the stage in late 97-98, to where we knew what each other would do before it actually happened. It took him slightly longer to find the net for Arsenal, and he weighed in during a 5-0 hammering of Wimbledon in April. But it was his thunderous left-foot winner against Derby County in May, during a tight 1-0 victory in N5, which helped bring the title within touching distance. Pettit recovered from an ankle injury to play in the FA Cup final, and his pinpoint pass to Mark Overmars set up the Dutchman for the opening goal against Newcastle. By season's end, Pettit's influence with the team had grown, and it was no surprise that, in the 1998 World Cup final, Pettit ran forwards, latched on to Patrick Vieira's slide-rule pass, and slotted home France's third goal in their 3-0 win over Brazil. It had been a remarkable transformation for Pettit, once an uncompromising left-back come centre-back, now a polished and dashing midfielder. Eddie Hapgood, a handy replacement. When title-chasing Gunners goalkeeper Frank Moss dislocated his shoulder after 30 minutes at Goodison Park in March 1935, he left the field in agony and was strapped up in the dressing-room by trainer Tom Whitaker. In the era before subs, defender Eddie Hapgood stepped in. It wasn't the first time the England star had replaced Moss in goal. Hapgood had already taken the role when Moss dislocated two fingers at Bramall Lane against Sheffield United in December 1933. In his autobiography, Football Ambassador, Hapgood noted, The old boss, Chapman, insisted that I was a good enough deputy if a man was hurt and into goal I had to go. Hapgood did a sterling job at Goodison, and with the help of Arsenal's nine outfield players, repelled Everton's attacks. The injury marked the beginning of the end of Moss's goalkeeping career, but Hapgood's competence between the sticks led him to comment in Football Ambassador. I have heard it said that when England travel abroad, they take two first-choice goalkeepers, the first choice and Eddie Hapgood. With the ten-man gunners under pressure from the home sides attacking, and looking set to crumble, salvation lay in the unlikely guise of the crocked Frank Moss. This is continued in the next programme. The photographs in the print copy of this report have the following captions. Emmanuel Pettit at home in the midfield battle. Celebrating a crucial goal against Derby with his midfield partner Patrick Vieira. Arsenal line-up for season 1934-35 with keeper Frank Moss, back row, fourth from left, and Eddie Hapgood, front row, third from right. Eddie at Highbury in 1938.
14 times. Our 14th ever game. Last August we lifted the FA Cup for a record extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. January 14th, 2006. It happened on the 14th. Arsenal 7, Middlesbrough 0. January 14th, 2006, Premier League. Thierry Henry equalled Cliff Bastin's record of 150 league goals for the club with a hat-trick in this January thumping of Middlesbrough. He opened the scoring after 20 minutes before Philippe Senderos doubled the lead two minutes later with a powerful header. Henri got his second on the half-hour before Robert Pirates made it four on the stroke of half-time. Gilberto headed home the fifth before Henri claimed the match ball and Arsenal's league-scoring record before Alexander Hleb rounded off our joint highest Premier League win after Borough had been reduced to ten men. The club's first official match was as Royal Arsenal in the FA Cup first qualifying round on October 5th, 1889. From foundation in 1886 until then, the club had played friendly matches and minor competitions with great success and finally entered into the FA Cup for the 1889-90 season. It was another four seasons until the Gunners were elected to the Football League, by which time they had played 11 FA Cup games in all, winning six, drawing one and losing four. So the third league match of 1893-94 was actually our 14th official match as a football club, by now known as Woolwich Arsenal, and was our first ever league win. After kicking off in Division 2 with a 2-2 draw against Newcastle on September 2nd, 1893, we then lost 3-2 to Notts County away, before returning home to the Manor Field Plumstead to host Walsall Town Swifts on September 11th, 1893. We stormed to a 3-0 lead by half-time, and eventually triumphed 4-0 in front of 4,000 spectators. The hero of the hour was John Heath, playing just his second game for the team, who scored a hat-trick. Joe would have two spells with Arsenal, but played just 12 games in all, scoring seven goals. The other goal was scored by Gavin Crawford, a Scottish winger who would go on to become the first player to rack up a century of appearances for the club. Woolwich Arsenal eventually finished the debut season in ninth place, out of 15 in Division 2, just one place above Walsall Town Swifts who we also beat in the return fixture in February 1894. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped global charity St Vincent de Paul provide food parcels for North Londoners who have been isolating or struggling during the pandemic. Our local group's president, Becky McKinley, tells us about their work. I'm a former teacher and I've been involved with charities in some form or another most of my life. St Vincent de Paul is a charity that works within the local community across the world to turn concern for others into action. Our activities include befriending those in need, whether through economic hardship or just sheer loneliness. 
our providing practical support such as food and domestic appliances. I've been involved since I was a teenager in Birmingham and when I moved to North London 30 years ago I joined our local group in St Joan of Arc RC Church on Highbury Park. I recently took the role of president of our local group and we meet every two weeks on Zoom at the moment but we're all active on a daily basis and at the moment a lot of our efforts are focused on providing food parcels for those who need them. Whether they're shielding, newly unemployed or just struggling for money. But the truth, we will help our local community, irrespective of race, religion or age. In whatever way we can. Recently, we've been trying to find laptops and tablets for kids being homeschooled who have nothing else to work on. Our food support programme has changed and developed over the course of this pandemic. When first lockdown started, many local support networks closed down and we saw an immediate need to support those who had nothing. We set up our food bank in a matter of weeks, and we were delivering more than 80 parcels a week. We saw a programme as a stopgap, and we were able to step away a bit as council-run services and other charities started back up again. We're now providing food parcels to about 30 of most of our vulnerable families and individuals. Sadly, we are now seeing a new cohort coming towards people who have been struggling through furlough or survived on their savings but now have nothing. The Arsenal Foundation support could not have been more timely. As demand has increased, the Foundation stepped in with a considerable donation of supplies, which we rapidly distributed to the local community. It's great when football clubs understand the importance of their local communities. So much of their support comes from the immediate vicinity and many clubs have roots going back more than 100 years. I cannot get over the number of people who have stopped and they've helped us. Spouses, friends, family, friends of friends, a host of university students. We managed to have a service up and running within about 10 days. Now, I'm very proud to be part of that. If either you need help or you wish to volunteer or to donate... Call the Vincent de Paul hotline on 07516 690 197. Community above and beyond. Although the pandemic has thrown up many challenges and caused much disruption to so much of society. There have been many instances of people going above and beyond, putting themselves forward and doing whatever they can to help others. Definitely included in this group are members of our sessional coaching staff who were willing to get back to work as soon as the original lockdown was lifted and by doing this ensured that we were able to get back to delivering activity sessions for our participants right in the heart of the communities that we serve. In line with everybody else, we had to quickly learn to adapt to a new way of working, which ranged from registering participants, implementing new health and safety protocols, through to the way that activities could be delivered. The sessional staff were key to the implementation of these measures, and it was with their help and support that this new way of working was successfully implemented. As well as helping to implement the new measures, the positive relationships that the sessional coaching staff have with the project participants proved to be vital, as it has been widely acknowledged that the major negative impact of the pandemic has been the lack of social interaction, and by being willing to return as soon as was possible, 
Our sessional coaching staff provided the social interaction as well as some normality and structure that many of our participants had been missing since lockdowns were introduced. As the majority of our sessional coaching staff have come through our programs as former participants, they fully understand the important role that our work plays in the lives of individuals and communities. This understanding, along with the dedication and positive attitude shown, all helped with a successful return to delivery and will also help ensure that following this current lockdown, we'll be able to hit the ground running. So, a big thank you to our sessional staff. Your dedication, positive attitude and quality of work are all appreciated. You helped us make things work and we couldn't have done it without you. The positive relationships that the sessional coaching staff have with the project participants proved to be vital. Photo of the week. Arsenal in the community's Twitter account at AFC Community highlights some of this month's community work. Brilliant PE lessons today with Arsenal coaches. Just some fun agility, control and dribbling games to finish our school day. At AFC Community, hashtag Active at Home. There are several pictures with this article showing our sessional coaching staff were immediately ready to get back onto the pitches and into the classrooms. Forward Arsenal, Kieran Tierney. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How good are you at planning your week? Do you have a schedule you stick to? I just go day by day, to be honest. Usually I just do the same thing every day. I go to training every day, come back home, and then I never really do much in the evening. I tend to just play on the PlayStation. I do look at our training schedule every week though. I like knowing what time training is every day. And I like to know all the details. When we are meeting, when we are departing, when we are going to the hotel and stuff like that. So in that respect I'm fairly organised. But in other respects I'm maybe not so. Everything for me revolves around football, my training schedule and the matches. How far in advance do you look at the fixture list? Probably just for the month coming up. I always know what the next few games are. I try not to look too far further ahead than the next three or four games. But I look at who we are playing, whether it's home or away, and what time kickoff is, stuff like that. I like the evening kickoffs. I think 5.30pm is probably the best. It gives you a good amount of time to get ready in the day and also is not too late by the time you finish and get home afterwards as well. Have you had any thoughts about what you might want to do after your playing days? I have thought about it, but it's hard to say with it being so far away. It's not crossed my mind to do any coaching badges or anything like that yet. Some of the older players talk about it and do the qualifications. It's probably something you think more about when you get over 30. But before that, it's all about your playing career. If you don't go into coaching, what do you think you might want to do? Well, when I finish playing, I'll be back in Scotland, no doubt going back to my old life of supporting Celtic home and away again. I'll be back there doing something anyway. I'll definitely live in Scotland when I finish playing, 100%. I miss it every day. What's the first thing you want to do when you retire that you can't do now? 
It's actually hard to say. I don't drink or anything, so I'm not exactly about to go wild for two weeks. I don't know, but I do miss being home. I do miss being with my family and friends, so I'll probably spend more time with them. Is there anywhere in the world you particularly want to visit when you retire? No, not really. Nothing that I'm thinking of at the moment. I'd just like to go on holiday somewhere with my mates, somewhere like Tenerife maybe. Is there anything you want to achieve away from football or anything you are working on at the moment? No, genuinely nothing. It's all about football for me. I have never really achieved anything in my life outside of football, so I put all my efforts and all my time into that. I was lucky enough to make it in this sport, so now I just pile everything into it. Maybe when I'm older, I will have something else to be interested in. But just now, I'm 23. I'm a million miles away from that, and everything is about football for me. Finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? Would I want to go? Only if the manager gave me a couple of days off from training for it. I don't think saying that I want to go to the moon will go down as a good excuse for missing training. So I'd better give it a miss. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? I'd go for a chicken curry. New car. Probably an all-black Range Rover. Trophy you win. Any of them. Holiday destination. Tenerife. New teammate. I can't say this. I might get into trouble with my old club. Premier League Match Day 23, 12.30pm, Saturday, February the 6th at Villa Park. Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 0. First half. We made the worst possible start. Indeed, there were barely 90 seconds on the clock when Ollie Watkins scored a goal that was both avoidable and unlucky from our perspective. Gabriel intercepted a forward pass and found Cedric but the return pass fell short and Bertrand Traore nipped in to play the ball across the box to Watkins. Debutant Matt Ryan had his shot covered, but the ball flicked off Rob Holding and rolled in. Ryan was solid overall, saving from Traore, Watkins and John McGinn as Villa threatened on the counter-attack. But the rest of the game was essentially about our efforts to find an equaliser. Before the break, our approach play was good, but we barely tested former gunner Emmy Martinez. The exception was a free kick from Granit Xhaka that was clawed away from the top corner. Second half. We went up a gear in the second half, with Nicolas Pepe prominent again. He stood a right foot shot just wide after a fine work from Emile Smith-Rowe, and Smith-Rowe himself showed neat footwork to create himself a chance, only for Tyrone Mings to block. Martinez saved from Hector Bellerin, and on came Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Martin Odegaard, and then Willian as Mikel Arteta played his attacking cards. We could have equalised when Odegaard had a great chance from 12 yards out, but his powerful shot sailed over. Developing strong young guns. In this issue, young gun, Nathan Butler, Ajedi. Match reports... Two London derbies, news, contracts and loans, remember Sam Greenwood, and results and fixtures. Young Gun, Nathan Butler Ojidi. Talking to Aidan Small, 
Born London, January the 4th, 2003. Signed for Arsenal at the age of seven. Height and weight, five foot seven, 67 kilos. Position winger, centre forward. School, Walthamstow Academy. My earliest memory of football as a kid is exactly as you'd expect. The moment I finished school, I head on out with my mates to our local park and we practice hour after hour after hour. Didn't matter who was there, whether we knew them, whether they were older, whatever. As long as they played football, we'd join in and we'd play together. I grew up in Walthamstow, so street football was a big part of my childhood too. I remember playing against the older boys from my area and obviously they were so much more physical than me. So you had to learn how to handle those tackles, those knocks pretty quickly. To this day, I still think I played a big part in my development. As a player, I played against older kids all the time, and I really think it helped me to become stronger and more resilient on the pitch. But I can't talk about my development as a player without bringing up my family. Most of my family are Arsenal fans, but my dad is a proper gooner, and he's the reason I love football so much. Growing up, I remember going out in the garden with him, working on all the basics. We'd work on the first touch, the passing the dribbling, the basic individual skills that you'd need as a kid. It's a simple memory, but I love it. And it wasn't long after that I was playing with all my mates down the park. I started to realise I was better than most at my age. My mates would tell me how good I was. But then when you're that young, it's hard to make sense of it all. Anyway, afterwards, I joined on the training session in my local area and there was a local scout watching. He invited me to try with Leighton Orient. That's when I realised things were getting serious. But I'd never expected what happened next. After just two weeks of training with Leighton Orient, I was spotted by Arsenal and invited to train with them at six years old. I remember my parents telling me in the car after training, I was so excited. I officially joined one year later and I've been here ever since. And to be honest, Arsenal is all I've ever known. Even before I joined, I actually lived two miles away from Hale End. And every time we drove past, my dad used to say, you're going to be there one day. I've got so many incredible memories from my time at Hale End, from playing in tournaments, training with a year above to winning the Liam Brady Cup and scoring a hat-trick against Tottenham. My entire childhood is there. I've played with and against so many talented players. Over the years, I've got too many to mention. The quality, the care, the coaches, they were brilliant to us. But over the past two years, I've been here at London Colney with the under-18s and I'm loving every minute of it. Last season was my first at that level and after a slow start, I really found my flow. I scored twice against Tottenham. But that season didn't end the way I wanted it to. We were playing well against West Ham. We were making a sharp turn in the first half and I felt something in my knee. It wasn't bad though, so I continued to play up until 60 minutes. It wasn't until a few days later it started hurting. We found out that I torn my mensius. That's a really tough for me because it happened just before lockdown. But Arsenal were really good to me and they sent me loads of equipment and design to plan for my recovery. I was really upset. I was worried, to be honest. And the club reassured me and thankfully I was back on the pitch in October. Since then I've been feeling really sharp on the pitch and I've been going back to my best. I played really well against Tottenham the other week, and I got an assist, and I probably should have scored two. If I had my describe my style of play, I'd say that I'm a quick and a direct player who is comfortable on either wing. I love to dribble, and I love to think that I'm an exciting player. The kind of who gets their fans out of their seats. But this season, I've actually been playing as a striker, 
and thinking behind it all is lively and pacey. I'm really good at bringing the ball down on my chest and linking up with my teammates. We have a really fluid front line, so we're free to interchange when attacking. If Omri comes inside, then we might want to put it wide and allow Marcelo to join Omri through the middle. I just wanted to ask so many questions of the defence as possible, but now I need to add more goals to my game. And if that happens, I'm hoping to a change for the under-23s. Rate yourself. Speed, 90. Shooting, 80. Dribbling, 89. Strength, 85. Passing, 80. Defending, 60. What's your earliest memory of football? Playing street football? Who got you into football? My dad. First footballer you looked up to? Thierry Omri. Best friends at school? Kiddo Taylor Hart and Jason Sahara. If you could change position, I'd play centre midfield. Best training tip you've ever had? Always believe in your football ability and be consistent. Other sport you're good at? Rounders. Favourite training drill? Possession and finishing. Ambitions this season away from the pitch to stay healthy. Important non-playing attributes for young footballers. Stay motivated and respect. Biggest lesson learned off the pitch. Always be your best you can. You don't know who's watching. Footballer of all time, Thierry Henry. If you could be any footballer past or present, who would you be? Ronaldinho. Most played Spotify artist. NBA young boy. Favourite musician? No cap. Favourite pre-match song? Roddy Rich with the balling. Best football attribute? Fast dribbling. One thing you need on your away day? My earphones. One thing you want to do in your football career? Score goals and make them. If you wasn't a footballer, I'd be a chef. First team player you look up to? Sakya. Best thing about being at Arsenal? The facilities. Around the academy. We'll definitely make it. Trey Coy. Most skills in their locker, Kiddo Taylor Hart. Best passing range, Miguel Aziz. Best touch, Charlie Patino. Best double-footed, Kiddo. Strongest, Madizd. Captain material, Alex Kirk. Funniest, Ovi. Most confident, Miguel. Better than they think they are, Zane Mollelis. Best singer, Jason Serrara. Academy Match Report, Under-18s Premier League South, Saturday, January the 30th, Crystal Palace Academy. Crystal Palace 3, Arsenal 2. Our Under-18s suffered their first defeat of 2021 as they were beaten 3-2 by Crystal Palace. Ken Gillard's side came into this fixture unbeaten in their last six outings, but they were ultimately made to pay for some sloppy defending. With Ovi out injured, Remy Mitchell was handed the opportunity to impress between the sticks, whilst Alex became the first schoolboy to be named in our matchday squad this season. A dangerous side in transition, Crystal Palace made a fast start and opened the scoring in just two minutes. With Raki Saki dribbling past two defenders and firing into the top corner. Didn't take us long to respond though, as James Sweet equalised in the 10th minute latching on to Mario's cutback to fire past the keeper for his second league goal of the season. But on the half-hour mark, the hosts restored their lead through David, who provided a finishing touch and worked really well, and there was a really good attacking move. However, the first fast action wasn't done, with a dangerous whipped delivery from Bandera 
The ball fell kindly to the edge of the area for Kidotelo Hart, who fired into the bottom corner on the volley. We continued to push on our search, and a winner came close to a number of promising moves, but in the end, it was the hosts that left with all three points. As we allowed the ball to roll across his body inside the six-yard box before finishing parts, Mitchell. Premier League 2, Friday, January the 29th, Tottenham Hotspur Training Centre. Tottenham 1, Arsenal 1. Our under-23s extended their unbeaten run to six Premier League, two games with a 1-1 draw against Tottenham Hotspur. Jonathan Dizari started the heart of our defence against his former club, who currently top of the table, while 17-year-old Charlie Patino was handed his under-23s debut. Heading into the fixture on the back of five consecutive victories, Steve Bold's side were full of confidence and raced into an early lead with a quickly taken free kick. The ball dropped to Ben Cotterall inside the penalty area and he made no mistake in finding the bottom corner. The 19-year-old now has scored four goals in just 13 Premier League two appearances in the same season as making his first team debut. But the host wrestled back control after half an hour mark after Kian Etty headed wide after promising position, he levelled the score on his next chance, finishing to the stretch of the poke with the ball past Carl Hine. Their dominance continued following the break too, as Dane Scarlett won the penalty after drawing a foul from Tim Kinuta. But his powerful stride sailed well over the bar, and we would go to create one last chance to seal all three points. But Florilin Balogun was denied by Joshua Adwenimindo after racing through. On goal. Academy News. Congratulations, Brooke. Brooke Norton Cuffey has signed his first professional contract. The 17 year old right back has enjoyed an incredible 2020 21 season so far, making his debut for the under 18s back in October before making his under 23s debut at just the age of 16 against Liverpool. Brooke is a powerful and technical right-back and has won four of five Premier League two outings to date. We congratulate Brooke with his professional contract and we look forward to supporting him in his continued development. FA Youth Cup Update The Football Association have announced that the 2021 FA Youth Cup has been temporarily suspended. The decision was discussed with the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport and comes into immediate effect until further notice. The statement from the FA reads, The health and well-being of the players and staff are paramount importance and the FA intends to resume the national competition once the UK government's national COVID-19 lockdown concludes and deems to be safer for clubs to travel. The FA Cup Youth Participation and Development Committee, which is responsible for management of the competition, will continue to review the situation and the FA will provide further updates at the earliest opportunity. For the avoidance of doubt, all matches in the FA Youth Cup are now suspended with immediate effect until further notice. We are due to play Blackburn Rovers in the fourth round of the season's competition, having seen off Rotherham in the previous round. Academy Alumni Catching up with formal Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Sam Greenwood Sam arrived at the Arsenal Academy from Sunderland as a first-year scholar in the summer of 2018 and over the next two years impressed with his touch and vision. Often playing in a number 10 role, his dead ball prowess also caught the eye. 
He made 39 appearances to the under-18s over the next two seasons, scoring 15 goals and making six assists. And he graduated to the under-23 squad, playing seven times and scoring once. Last summer, he joined newly promoted Leeds United on their three-year contract, and the 19-year-old certainly hit the ground running. He scored five goals with his first four Premier League two games, including a hat-trick against Sunderland. Having now started nine Premier League two matches, he has an excellent record of six goals and six assists, and the England under-18 international earned him a place in the EFL trophy squad. Playing in the defeat to Blackpool in November, his good start to the season resulted in a first-team debut when Lees travels to Crawley Town in the FA Cup third round. Marcel's team succumbed to a shock 3-0 defeat against a League 2 team, but Sam will always remember his 32 minutes action as a substitute. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Women's Super League Sunday, February the 7th, Meadow Park. Arsenal versus Manchester City. Arsenal 1, Manchester City 2. The scorer for Arsenal was Ford in the 57th minute and for Manchester City, White in the 24th and Hemp in the 79th. Playing for Arsenal were Zinsberger, Evans, Wibben Moy, Williamson, McCabe, substituted by Murritz in the 77th minute, Walty, Roard, Van der Donk, Maidema, Mead, Ford. Subs not used were Williams, Stanson, Meyer, Goat, Patton. We suffered our third league defeat of the season last Sunday as we were beaten 2-1 by Manchester City at Meadow Park. Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little and Jen Beattie missed out through injury, while Leah Williamson started with the captain's armband for the first time in her career. We dominated possession throughout the first half, but failed to create chances, and following a defensive error, Ellen White fired the visitors into the lead with a smart finish. We stepped things up in the second 45, though, as we played with more aggression and purpose in the final third, until Jill Ruard teed up Caitlin Ford on the counter for an impressive equaliser. The Australia International has now scored seven Women's Super League goals this season. But, despite our dominance in possession, City remained a threat in transition, and with just over ten minutes remaining, Lauren Hemp climbed high inside the area to head Chloe Kelly's cross beyond Manuela Zinsberger. Red letter day for Leah. Skipper for the day, Leah Williamson, pinpointed individual errors as the reason for the defeat against City last weekend. Leah said, I see it as a game where we were good in the first half and had a good spell in the second half, but ultimately our errors were probably the reason why we didn't win. I had one with the first goal, stuff like that, so just little differences, and they come out more dominant than us today. It's not like it wasn't a good performance, but those are the differences, and that's what makes top teams great and leaves the others behind. However, despite the result, Leia couldn't hide her pride in wearing the captain's armband. It's something I think any fan, I'm even getting emotional, any fan of the club would be so proud to do, she said, let alone being a player. 
I'm very aware that I live out the dream of every Arsenal fan every single day, so it's very proud for me and for my family. The photos in the print copy of this report have the following captions. Action from Meadow Park in a hard-fought fixture. Celebrations after Caitlin Ford's equaliser. Captain Lear last Sunday. Visitors. Leeds United. Formed 1919. Nickname, The Whites, The Peacocks. Stadium, Elland Road. Capacity, 37,792. Honours, First Division Stroke Premier League winners, 1968 Stroke 69. 1973 Stroke 74. 1991 Stroke 92. Second Division Stroke Championship winners, 1923 Stroke 24. 1963 Stroke 64. 1989 Stroke 90. 2019 Stroke 20. FA Cup winners, 1972. League Cup winners, 1968. Charity Shield, 1969-1992. European Intercities Fairs Cup winners, 1968-1971. Owner, Asa Group Holdings, 63%. 49ers Enterprises, 37%. Chairman, Andrea Radrizani. Social followers, Twitter, 683,000. Instagram, 630,000. Facebook, 826,000. Leeds United come to Emirates Stadium having leapfrogged Arsenal into 10th place in the Premier League table on Monday night with a convincing 2-0 home win against Crystal Palace. That victory raised their points total to 32, a more than respectable tally after 22 matches for a newly promoted club especially considering the predicament that the other two newly arrived sides from the Championship, Fulham and West Bromwich Albion, currently find themselves in. Leeds returned to the English top flight last year as winners of the Championship, finishing 10 points clear of runners-up West Brom after winning 28 of their 46 matches and losing just 9. Their promotion ended 16 years away from the Premier League and was achieved under their high-profile Argentinian coach, Marcello Bielsa, who, 12 months earlier, at the end of his debut season in charge, had taken the club to the playoffs, where they were defeated in a dramatic semi-final by Derby County. The West Yorkshire club may have been absent from England's elite for a long time, but they remain one of the country's biggest and best-supported clubs. Their golden era was back in the late 1960s and early 1970s under Don Reavy, but they were also champions of England in 1991-92, stroke the last season before the Premier League started, and qualified for Europe five years in a row from 1997-98 stroke to 2001-02, reaching the Champions League semi-finals in 2000-01. stroke The club then suffered a dramatic decline, departing the top flight in 2004, then dropping into the third tier three years later. After three seasons in League One, they returned to the Championship and finally won promotion to the Premier League last year at the tenth time of asking. Leeds drew nil-nil with Arsenal at Ellen Road back in November, and that remains their only scoreless draw in the Premier League campaign. 
Bielsa's side have been cast in many quarters as the league's great entertainers with their open, expansive playing style. And there are usually not only goals at both ends, but also winners and losers when Leeds play. Just one of their other Premier League fixtures having finished all square. 1-1 at home to current league leaders Manchester City in early October. That means they have yet to share the points on their travels. Their 11 away games so far having yielded 6 wins and 5 defeats, with victories in the two most recent. 2-1 at Newcastle on January 26th and 3-1 at Leicester 5 days later. They have also won at Sheffield United 1-0, Aston Villa 3-0, Everton 1-0 and West Brom 5-0. Though conversely, there have been heavy defeats at Crystal Palace 4-1, Manchester United 6-2 and Tottenham 3-0. You never quite know what you're going to get from Leeds. They even lost 3-0 at Crawley last month in the third round of the FA Cup. But the chances are they will make for interesting viewing one way or another. Mutual admiration. Chris White really was a local boy made good when he made his Arsenal debut against Man City on October 17th, 1981, aged 20. The former Highbury Grove schoolboy formed a very promising central defensive partnership with David O'Leary in his first season and the future looked very bright for the Islington lad. But after a couple of seasons in the team and with Tony Adams' emergence, he fell out of favour and despite a brief return in season 1985-86 when he filled in as an emergency striker, White made the unusual move of crossing the Atlantic to play indoor soccer for the New York Express in the Major Indoor Soccer League in the summer of 1986. He had played 113 games for the Gunners, scoring eight goals. Returning to England to play for West Brom in the summer of 1988, his excellent performances persuaded Howard Wilkinson to pay £450,000 to take him to Leeds in 1990. The England under-21 centre-half played the best football of his career at Ellen Road for three seasons and was crucial in the club winning the old first division title in 1990-91. In all, he played 147 games for Leeds, scoring six goals before the then 32-year-old joined Birmingham City in 1993. Premier League record, AFC wins 12, draws 5, LUFC wins 8. Arsenal win percentage, 48. All-time record, AFC wins, 47. Draws, 33. LUFC wins, 41. Arsenal win percentage, 39. 22. Leeds United have had 22 different managers this millennium. 48. Leeds record transfer paid was £18 million to West Ham for Rio Ferdinand in 2000 with the record fee received, £30 million, for the same player from Manchester United two years later. 9. Leeds conceded more goals to Arsenal in their invincible season than any other club, after 4-1 and 5-0 defeats. Eddie Gray's team also lost 4-1 to the Gunners in the FA Cup that season. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Leeds United's long-awaited return to the Premier League has been everything we expected from Marcello Bielsa's side. Coming into this weekend, only the top four have scored more goals than Leeds, but only 19th placed West Bromwich Albion have conceded more. Bielsa wants all-out attack, 
and despite being famed for his intense scouting of opponents, doesn't make major concessions in his approach for anyone. The defining feature of Bielsa's approach, which is almost completely different from every other manager in the Premier League, is his use of man-marking without possession. This means that one centre-back acts as the spare defender, and almost everyone else simply follows their direct opponent around the pitch. At times this can prove very effective, although if opponents play a quick 1-2 and carry the ball forward, space can open up very easily. It often means one of the opposition centre-backs has freedom to bring the ball up the pitch, as Patrick Bamford, while getting through plenty of work, isn't able to close down two opponents on his own. Bamford carries Leeds' greatest goal-scoring threat, and even when not scoring, his link play and all-round game is impressive, bringing others into play calmly. That's a crucial part of his game, because Leeds get tremendous numbers forward into attack. The wingers can both score. Jack Harrison tends to stay left for long switches of play, and can strike fiercely across the keeper, while right-sided Rafina tends to cut inside and shoot from more central positions. Meanwhile, Rodrigo is generally deployed as a free-running central midfielder, which is quite a change from his role with Valencia, where he was very much an attacker. He's likely to play alongside Mateus Klitsch, a good all-round midfielder capable of covering ground and providing goals and assists. Leeds' chief playmaker is Calvin Phillips, who sits deep and sprays diagonal balls expertly in front of the defence. In defensive positions, Bielsa can call upon some very versatile options. Stuart Dallas's recent performance in a 3-1 win over Leicester was remarkable. He started the game by constantly running in behind the opposition defence from central midfield, opening the scoring in that fashion. He then switched to become a bonus centre-back after Leicester changed formation, allowing Lees to continue having a spare man in defence. He can play at full-back too. Luke Ayling has been similarly impressive in his adaptability, often playing centre-back, but more at home as a right-back. Ezgan Alioski is deployed as left-back, although his number 10 shirt indicates he considers himself somewhat more of an attacking player. In the middle, Liam Cooper generally plays alongside Pascal Strujic, another who can also play as a central midfielder. In goal, Ilan Meslier is very typically Bielsa. He's young and developing, is comfortable sweeping and using his feet, but at times has struggled with high balls. Leeds' record at defending set pieces this season is very poor, and those situations may prove crucial for Arsenal today. Premier League, match day 22, 6pm, Tuesday, February the 2nd, from Monolix. Wolves 2, Arsenal 1. First half, we could have won that game inside the first 10 minutes. Saka raced into Party's pass and fired against the post with just 36 seconds on the clock. Saka then found the net with a brilliant finish from Lacazette cutback, but the goal was ruled offside. Undeferred, we continued to dominate it and it was Pepe who broke the deadlock in stunning fashion. He advanced onto the area and showed... A quick feat to get past Simdo and Connor Caddy. Then crowned in with a curling shot into the corner. Wolves were holding on, but the match turned on its head with the final action of the first half. William Jose was played in. David Luiz clipped his trailing leg. 
with his thigh. It was the faintest of touches and looked accidental. But out came the red card. Ruben Neves found the top corner from the spot and somehow we went in level. In the second half, a world-class strike from Romino from 25 yards left us chasing the game. Shortly after the restart, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang makes a welcome return to the squad, came on for Pepe and we made inroads with 10 men. But another red card on 72 minutes officially ended our resistance. It's time for Lino, who misjudged the flight of the ball against charging out the area and inadvertently struck with his arm. Match stats. Total shots, Wolves, 11, Arsenal, 9. Shots on target, Wolves, 7, Arsenal, 3. Corners, Wolves, 9, Arsenal, 6. Offsides, Wolves, 1, Arsenal, 3. Fouls, Wolves, 11, Arsenal, 8. Possession, Wolves, 55%, Arsenal, 45 My Arsenal. Name, Ellen Deasy. Age, 25. Live in Croydon. Occupation, accountant. Type of membership, silver. Why are you an Arsenal fan? My dad and all of his family are Arsenal fans. I was given no choice. First game, Arsenal vs Charlton, August 26, 2000. I was five years old. We won 5-2. Vieira 2, Henri 2, Silvino. Great start. Favourite game. The 2014 FA Cup semi-final against Wigan at Wembley. The penalties were so nerve-wracking, but the feeling as Santi's winning penalty went in was amazing. Favourite place to eat before a game. The Little Wonder Cafe opposite the Armoury. A great view of the Emirates over lunch. Best place in the stadium to watch a game from. Front row is my favourite to get as close to the action as possible and for high fives from Gunnosaurus. Furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal play. Almost 3,000 miles to Baku in the 2019 Europa League final against Chelsea. 16 hours door-to-door. Great experience, but not such a great score. Favourite away ground and why? I saw us against Barcelona at the Neu Camp in a pre-season friendly in August 2019. Seeing a packed Neu Camp Watching Arsenal in the sunset was amazing. I also loved the family feel of Craven Cottage. Favourite piece of memorabilia. A pennant from the last game at Highbury. I was in the front row for the game and the whole day was something I'll always remember. Do you collect any memorabilia? No, but my dad collects Arsenal programmes dating back to 1935 and my boyfriend has every Arsenal handbook dating back to 1947. So they make up for it. What do you wear to games? I usually switch it up between current shirts and my vintage JVC one, paired with a maroon and white Highbury scarf. Whose name and number do you have on your shirt? I have Holding 16 on the back of this year's third kit. He's my favourite player. All-time favourite player and why? Freddie Lundberg. The player I remember most from my earliest Arsenal games. And he was always so great to watch. I loved his red hair song. Best goal you've seen live. Jack Wilshers against Norwich in October 2013. I was sat right behind the goal. Everyone was stunned. Ever met any players? 
I met all of the players from around the Invincibles era at Junior Gunners parties. Meeting players like Thierry Henry and Freddie Lundberg was incredible. In recent years, I met Aaron Ramsey at National Members' Day. Before Arsene Wenger's last game, I saw Robert Pires and Santi Cazorla driving up to the ground outside the armory. Which current player would you most like to go for dinner with? Rob Holding, my favourite player. Pretty good on the guitar too. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Luca Andrews. 6. Gabriel. 7. Pokeo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 11. Martin Odegaard. 12. Willian. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 32. Emil Smith-Rowe. 33. Matt Ryan, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 38. Follerin Balogun. 41. Ben Cottrell. 66. Miguel Aziz. For Leeds United, manager Marcello Bielsa. Dark blue and green striped shirts, dark blue shorts and socks. 1. Ilan Melier, goalkeeper. 2. Luke Aileen. 4. Adam Forshaw. 5. Robin Koch. 6. Liam Cooper. 7. Ian Poveda. 9. Patrick Bamford. 10. Esjan Aliolski. 11. Tyler Roberts. 13. Kiko Cassier, goalkeeper. 15. Stuart Dallas. 17. Helder Costa. 18. Rafinha. 19. Pablo Hernandez. 20. Rodrigo Moreno. 21. Pascal Struich. 22. Jack Harrison. 23. Calvin Phillips. 24. Leif Davis. 28. Gaetano Berardi. 35. Charlie Creswell. 36. Robbie Gotts. 42. Sam Greenwood. 43. Matthias Kleech. 44. Matthias Bogis. 46. Jamie Shackleton. 47. Jack Jenkins. 49. Ollie Casey. Match officials. Referee Stuart Atwell. Assistant referees Dan Cook, Simon Long. Fourth official Simon Hooper. VAR. Andre Mariner. Assistant VAR. Sean Massielis. Today's other fixtures. Southampton versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. 12 p.m. West Bromwich Albion versus Manchester United. 2 p.m. Everton versus Fulham. 7 p.m. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Premier League. Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for rivalry. There's room for emotion. But there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick it out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium. Acronis Backup. Cyber protection for your data. Keep your data safe with the most secure backup. www.acronis.com Future. Forever faster. Humour. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.